There is nothing like learning to be a surgeon on the battlefield. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Colonel Robert Rush, staff surgeon in the Department of Surgery, Madigan Army Medical Center, and adjunct assistant professor of surgery at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences, Bethesda, Maryland. He is currently deployed on a disaster response team in Honduras. Welcome, Colonel Rush. Thank you, Dr. Hill. Today we are discussing a surgeon's experience in war and disaster. Colonel, what is it really like personally when you are in an operating room and you can hear bullets above your head and you're wearing full protective gear and you really are concerned about your own welfare? Well, as the many things occur in a haphazard-type manner, you try to focus on what's in front of you. The patient, and of course the patient's survival is dependent upon your survival, so if you can get those priorities bouncing back and forth in your head, then you can at least maintain focus. You are very dependent upon those individuals around you to provide the protection necessary in instances like this, such as your fellow team members who are not intimately involved with that particular operation. That means those who aren't scrubbed in or providing the anesthesia. Do you ever really fear for your life in those situations? I have, but some of those situations occur so quickly that you don't realize what kinds of dangers that you have just come into until afterwards. It's a very interesting phenomenon, almost surreal. And luckily, in my case, none of the individuals of my unit were injured during one of these instances. Do you carry a sidearm? I carry a sidearm whenever we go to an area where we're expecting enemy contact. In other words, anytime we deploy to hazardous fire zones, we wear sidearms. Do you think the enemy ever targets the medical facility specifically to destroy it? Without question. There have been instances, and it is difficult to tell what the enemy is aiming for. However, when we perform humanitarian missions along with our forward surgical support, in other words, when we are working along with civilians in a host nation where we are also performing combat operations, we have come under fire at some of these hospitals that the local nation are running when we're trying to help them there. Tell us more about that. The enemy will sometimes try attempt to disrupt and destroy our convoys as well as our medical personnel at these hospitals. And sometimes when we get word of this or when we anticipate this, we have to cancel those particular missions for a number of days to weeks before the security is good enough again so that we can go back into the area and continue assistance. Well, how do you get word of it? Well, for one thing, if a close call occurs, we will abandon the mission and, of course, go into a personal protective type of posture and then try to leave the area. What does a close call and a personal protective posture mean? Close call would be if ordnance were to explode outside the hospital or if there was gunfire in the immediate vicinity, we would disengage from the host nation facility or stop working and try to obtain some cover and concealment from 
where we think the enemy is coming from, and then we maintain a, a self-defense type posture where we can fire back if we need to. Luckily, I haven't been in that type of position where we could see who we were firing at, and then either call for help or try to remove ourselves from that position. Have any medical personnel been injured? There have been medical personnel who have been injured in the current conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan. One of them happened to be a general surgeon by the name of Mark Taylor. He was killed in Fallujah during one of the main battles there earlier in the war. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and we are speaking with Colonel Robert Rush, staff surgeon in the Department of Surgery, Madigan Army Medical Center, and adjunct assistant professor of surgery, Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences, Bethesda, Maryland, and currently deployed on a disaster response team in Honduras. Today we are discussing a surgeon's experience in war and disaster. Colonel Rush, you are now in a disaster response area in Honduras, yes? That's correct. What is that like? The surgical team that I am assigned to is a very small team that is designed to deploy within 12 hours, fast as it can get out is about four hours, and we're designed to be a first responder to hurricane, earthquakes, and other natural and man-made disasters, depending upon need. And exactly what kind of surgical procedures or activities do you do in those situations? In these situations, it is highly dependent on what the mission is. Usually, if we are in the immediate aftermath of a earthquake or hurricane, if we were placed in the correct position, we can assist with the acutely injured patients. Now, that doesn't always happen because that involves you almost being there at the time of the incident. We don't know where they're always going to happen at. Having said that, we also can augment civilian or host nation hospitals where they have lost their surgical capability and need to perform more routine but emergent cases such as cesarean sections, emergent appendectomies, other types of emergent surgeries, or in the cleanup of these disasters, people who get injured through normal falls and motor vehicle accidents and so forth. Well, how do you actually do that? Do you work in conjunction with their hospitals? Right. What we can do is we have a variety of packages that go from all the way from complete self-supportive to a package where we can just put all of our medical-only equipment on a pallet, which is a cargo-holding piece of equipment, put it on an airplane or a helicopter, and then we can be airlifted into the disaster area. Once we're in the disaster area, we obtain some sort of host nation transportation support, and we can go to the hospital or wherever they need us most to perform this function. And what specific functions are you doing there now in Honduras? Here in Honduras, our main emphasis is a contingency mission. We're here to support any surgical needs of the joint task force that is currently employed in Honduras, and they do a variety of missions, one of which is medical humanitarian support that is scheduled. That means that we have a variety of missions to support the indigenous populations of some of the Central and South American countries, and in doing so, 
sometimes our um, our personnel can be hurt, injured, or become sick enough that they need surgery, and that's what we do. That's our main mission. However, we also have the a mobile surgical team, a non-doctrinal unit down here that we have formed in order to support disaster operations if needed or any type of contingency operation. Now, how big is this disaster team? The disaster team is anywhere from a four-person anesthetic operating technician, operating nurse surgeon team to a more robust 11 to 20-person team that involves a variety of physicians, physicians' assistants, nurses, and medical technicians in order to address all aspects of disaster medicine, to include the medical aspects of disasters. Well, how is this different than the same unit we spoke about, the far forward surgery unit? The forward surgical team is specifically designed to perform surgery. The mobile surgical team is designed to perform both surgical support as well as medical support and disaster relief medical type support for man-made and natural disasters. I mean, there's always a certain amount of overlap that can occur. Forward surgical teams can also be employed in disaster relief. They just lack the other types of physicians, such as your um, uh, your internal medicine physician, your all-purpose physician's assistant, as well as some of your ward or ICU nurses that come with um, uh, these other type of teams. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and we are speaking with Colonel Robert Rush, staff surgeon in the Department of Surgery, Madigan Army Medical Center, and adjunct assistant professor of surgery, Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences, Bethesda, Maryland, and currently deployed on a disaster response team in Honduras. Today we are discussing a surgeon's experience in war and disaster. What kind of injuries do you see in these disaster areas? Most of the injuries that I've seen have been either crush injuries or orthopedic um, extremity injuries. And uh, I have to say that I'm, I haven't seen a vast amount of these crush injuries, although there are many reports of, of um, individuals having to undergo field amputations for some of the in earthquake disasters from debris falling on them, them unable to be extracted quickly developing what's called the crush injury syndrome and then having to, um, once the debris is removed and the perfusion is restored to the limb, then them having problems with um, uh, rhabdomyolysis and renal failure. Like a reperfusion injury. Correct. Uh, When you say a field amputation, exactly what do you mean? What we mean by a field amputation is one that the... Um, patient is uh, has a limb that is stuck underneath some debris. There is no hope of getting that debris away from them. They are an extremist, and they will they need an amputation in order to survive. The way that is performed is hopefully you will have a uh, anesthesia provider with you. If not, it's a conscious sedation can be a method that can be used, although not recommended in which your team of your anesthetists and your surgeon will try to put the patients to sleep in that position and maintain an airway if possible 
knowing that your your team safety is of utmost importance in this in in this um, type of scenario and one which must be accounted for first of all because if you add yourself to the casualty list that's not going to do anybody any good have you personally been involved in something like this yes i have and most recently we provided a um, disaster relief surgical team to or the mobile surgical team support to the um, most recent earthquake in peru which was centered in pisco peru a port city of about a hundred thousand i want to thank colonel robert rush who has been our guest we have been discussing a surgeon's experience in war and disaster. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.